Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople, welcome to the podcast. Today, it's my great pleasure to welcome Marty Enns to the show. Welcome, Marty. Thank you. Marty is Vice President of North America Commercial Sales at Clary. Clary is a connected revenue operations platform and RevOps, of course, inclusive of marketing and sales and customer success and so on. So lots of pieces. And today we're going to talk about what it's like to manage and scale in a hyper-growth organization. Marty and his team have led about 2,000% growth over the course of the last six quarters. So lots of best practices and lessons learned. But in order to get into that, I always love to get to know Marty a little better with two questions. So Marty, my first question for you today is, what is one of your favorite sales books and why? I would probably say that power-based selling is one of my all-time favorites. And the reason for that is it was written by two gentlemen with lots of experience in the large enterprise selling space. I'm running a commercial division now, which is a departure from what I was doing for most of my career, which was running large enterprise teams or being a large enterprise seller myself. And I think that this book captures and documents the process and the mapping of all of the key stakeholders and what we like to call the power base, right? And so it gives you a plan on how that you can manage some of these larger, more complicated sales processes. And so interestingly enough, the, the timing is that I'm just about to start a book club. I initially started this as a way for my younger sellers, folks that hadn't been uh, you know, in a selling position for more than a couple, two to three years, with a focus on helping them develop their skill set and sharing some of the experience that, that I was able to gain over the last 20 years of selling. And the way that I do it is that we select a book and then I'll assign two chapters to each one of my reps. Right. And then the reps will be responsible for then reading those chapters and then presenting and teaching those chapters in our weekly calls. And then they have to teach it to the other team. Right. Everybody's reading it. But then we, you know, the best way to learn something is to teach it. Right. I've always been a big fan of that mantra. And so I'm putting the team in a position to read it, you know, create a presentation and then teach it to our team, to the rest of the team. And that's been super effective. A lot of feedback that I've gotten. Um, from the book club is like, this is the best thing that I've ever done from a training because it gets everybody involved, right? It gets the dialogue going. And it's not me top downing the information, you know, or forcing my opinion. I usually just let them talk. And maybe somebody will ask me a question or maybe I'll, you know, stick in an antidote here and there on an experience that I had in the past. But it's been super effective to getting my team to start thinking bigger and thinking about how they can leverage some of this larger enterprise strategy in the commercial sector. Do you incorporate those training sessions into existing meetings? Do you have dedicated meetings? Do you do them in the morning, the late afternoon? When, what, how do you manage the logistics of those training meetings? So this particular book club, we do every week on our weekly commercial team meeting. You know, it's usually about a half an hour, and then we spend another half hour doing just, you know, housekeeping type stuff. What I found is, you know, as I'm working with these folks, is that you've got to make sure that you're continuing to develop them professionally, right? So I'm continually trying to figure out ways that I can teach my team and help them grow professionally in a way that's interactive and really kind of self-led, 
giving them, you know, that ability to take the initiative and to be a leader on the team. And it's a lot of fun, right? Because, you know, different reps approach it in different ways. Some guys are very funny, right? And the way that they teach it back, some guys are very, you know, strict and they're going right for the information, but it's fun, right? Because then the dialogue starts and they start talking about different deals and how that they can apply this to current deals and how they could have applied it in future deals. And I really try to let it be self-directed. You know, ultimately it's, it's an exercise in leadership. As they review the content, it's not just an exercise in, you know, fifth grade book report. It's to actually take the lessons that are being learned as you go through those two chapters every week and relate those to, hey, I had this particular deal. And if I had known this, I would have done it this way. Or I'm working on this deal right now and I would apply it this way. And I would assume that also helps foster discussion from the audience as well, right? The, the other people who are in the training of how they will apply those lessons. Yeah, I mean, and absolutely. And, and the other piece that I was after is that I needed my team to be cohesive. And so this is an exercise where, you know, everybody's, you know, taking a piece of the responsibility, right, to accomplish a specific goal. I, Clary, do you follow a single sales process? Or like many places, are you the assemblage of the bits and pieces of a little bit of Miller-Hyman, a little bit of Challenger, a little bit of Sandler, right? A little bit of gap selling, a little bit of power base selling, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yes. So Medic is our sales process and methodology. And so we've added a P with MedPick. So we call it MedPick here, but P is paperwork, right? So when you're in the final stages of the deal, you know, mapping out the path to paper and signature. And so that's one part of the selling process. I also built a sales process around how to move a deal from initial discussion to close as quickly as possible. So we have 11 steps that we follow, right? And just tactical things that we do, right? To get from A to Z as quickly as we possibly can. And then we leverage MedPick to support that process. I guess maybe it's because I'm so fixated on numbers. If I hear like 11 step process for moving deals from initial discussion to close. I'm going to have to ask you questions about that, but we're going to, sure, I'm go going to s- suspend that for <laughs> one second because I also do want to ask, what's the first thing you ever remember selling? So when I'm 19 years old, my sister says to me, hey, there's this small little startup company right in San Francisco. They just moved in and they need people badly. You should go and talk to them. So I put on my the one suit that I own for weddings and funerals and away I went to downtown San Francisco to meet with a company called Night Rider Overnight Copy Service. I had no idea what that meant. I was young. I didn't know anything. And so as I walked to the door and I interviewed with the VP of sales at the time, they hired me on the spot. Within a couple of weeks, I was in there and as a customer service rep for a company that actually sold copies. So basically what the deal is, is that in any city across the country, you have corporations suing each other, right? And the evidence back in those days in the early 90s was paper. And so you would go out and pick up, you know, two boxes of paper and you would make copies overnight and deliver them back the next morning at 9 a.m. And so to these lawyers, we blew their mind, right? Because prior to these guys coming on on the scene and to us coming on the scene, they would hand it off to a guy with a mohawk on a bicycle. Their critical evidence would be gone for weeks on end. And a lot of times it would come back with stuff missing, right? And so we brought some professionalism to it. They put us in suits and ties, right? We created a professional sales team and we would go out and we would sell our copy services. 
And so as I progressed in selling copies, you know, it went from a box to two boxes, right, to 500 boxes to 1,000 boxes of documents. Like some of the larger deals I did at um, for Chevron, you know, we'd go out to Dublin in the Bay Area and they had 20,000 boxes of documents and we'd be pulling out 1,000 of those boxes. We'd make it, copy it, and we'd number it with a numerical number and then make three more copies because they had multiple councils all over the country. That was millions of dollars, if you can believe it. One thing I do really appreciate, though, is that you, you really weren't selling copies. What you were selling was the guarantee, right, of that overnight and making sure that nothing was missing. That's right. Which is peace of mind. Yeah. And I mean, in any given you know, lawsuit, I mean, there was often millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars at stake. Right. And so this information that they were sending out to the world, right, that was leaving the four walls of their law firm was critical evidence. Right. And so, you know, absolutely the peace of mind, the risk mitigation, right, that all factored in. And I mean, they would pay top dollar. I mean, it always used to baffle me why people would pay so much money for copies. Right. But to your point, it was a lot more than copies. So you had mentioned earlier that you came up with this process that would could be uniformly followed to follow a deal from initial discussion through to close in 11 steps. Talk to us a little bit about how you develop that and, and how you execute that. You know, as I got into this role, I took a look at my sales process. So MedPick is one sales process, right? Where you have to collect information. You know, who is your executive buyer? You know, what are the metrics for making a decision? All of these different things that go along with a medic, med pick, sales process methodology, which were all critical to success, right? But then there's like the tactical stuff that you need to do, you know, primarily around vetting whether or not a deal was real. And so this was born out of my enterprise selling days where, you know, you'd have four or five meetings and they would just die and then it would just go stagnant. And you'd be like, okay, what's going on here? And you'd be pounding the phones, trying to figure out how you can breathe life back into a particular deal that stalled. Out of that came this idea of, okay, if I build out this process, this tactical process of number one, making sure that my deck and demo are on point and I'm doing a really good job of mapping pain to value, right? That's the first step in our process, right? Because we're unbudgeted and we're technically selling two things, our platform, as well as the urgency to buy our platform. So I had to figure out, well, how can I you know, not only get them to buy Clary, but also to get them to buy Clary on our timeline. One of the things I deduce is that if I'm really good at my deck and demo and I do a good job of the discovery of the pain, the business pain, and then I map that business pain to value in the demo, the chances of them moving us from completely off the, the budget priority list to on the budget priority list and somewhere at the top. But I've got to be really good at understanding their pain and mapping pain to value, and then trying to understand whether or not that pain was a priority enough to take action in the near future. In your commercial team, are you separating the discovery part of the sales cycle from the demo, or do you integrate those into the same meeting? Integrate those into the same meeting. And I would assume in enterprise, it might be different, right? Because you may have to go far deeper. You know, it just depends, right? And so our customers and you know across the board are meeting and talking with a lot of different salespeople, right? Looking at a lot of different things for various business pain, right? And so my perspective was I needed to make that experience, that first experience with the customer, very dynamic, 
right? So that the customer walked away saying like, huh, I was walking into this meeting kind of thinking like I was just taking this meeting because, you know, an SDR called me or Marty called me or, or one of Marty's guys called me. And now I'm really interested. And I think that if you don't do that on the first call, then the chances of me getting that follow-up call were slim. And I'd done it both ways, right? So I'd sold large enterprise where the initial call was discovery and you don't show anything, right? But then I had a really hard time after that discovery call, getting the customer to get back on the phone with me, right? And maybe it would happen eventually, but I needed to figure out a way to hook them on that first call, right? And get them interested And the best way that I found is to marry the discovery, right? With you know, discovery is all about trying to identify pain, right? And so mapping that pain to value and clarity. So they walk away from that initial call thinking like, huh, I wasn't even thinking about this in the context that the clarity team just laid out for me. When you start talking about, you know, solving the data quality problem at Salesforce, increasing productivity, you know, pipeline visibility and forecast accuracy, Right. For the customers that we're calling on, I mean, this is top of mind relevant stuff every single day. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, as a buyer, I strongly prefer disco and demo together because otherwise I just feel like I've been put through the ringer with a ton of discovery questions. Right. It's like you're, you're asking for a lot and you're not giving anything. And we all know the give to get, right, relationship of a buyer and a seller. Right. And so you've got to give them something for their time. You know, wrapping up this portion of the discussion, the deck and demo to me is the most important because that's where you're going to pull out the pain and and map to value. And then if that all goes well, at the end of that conversation, you're talking about next steps. And traditionally what that next step is, you know, what you've seen today, you know, you've given us some feedback that we can solve this business pain, you know, all that good stuff. But, you know, do you feel like that this pain is relevant enough in your day-to-day operation to warrant you know, going all the way up to, you know, the top of the priority list, right. From a budgetary perspective, right. Because what I want to do now is I want to figure out, is this real, right? Are you really motivated to move to the next step? And so when you start having that dialogue, even at the large enterprise, right, you, you at least have some initial indication. And then there's another process where we send out some paperwork. And if they fill out that paperwork, you generally know that this is real. Right. Where in the past, as I've managed other salespeople, I never really had a very specific process, right? Tactical process to vet whether or not a deal was right. And I wanted to believe every deal was real, right? Because when I'm talking to my, my boss or when I'm talking to my reps, you know, I would sit and I would just listen to a rep tell me about how great this deal was, only to see that deal, you know, fall out two weeks later, right? And then circling back and saying, how did that deal go? And how did that fall out? And the feedback being like, oh, well, I just never could get a hold of the guy again. So I wanted to implement a process where there was gates, where we knew if they did this, they were interested if they did that, right? And it requires them to do a little bit of work, not a lot, but just a little bit. But you know, if they're doing it, that they're interested. What's the nature of what they have to fill out? You know, it's just something as simple as, you know, hey, you know, the next conversation, we're going to have to do a deeper dive into your environment. Right. And you're going to have to share information that may be private. So let's get the NDA in place. And what we've seen is that if they sign that within the first couple of hours or even the first 24 hours, that's generally pretty quick that they're genuinely interested. And then we move on to, you know, we send out, you know, some surveys on their environment, right? That only take about 15, 20 minutes to fill out. It's really simple. But we also know if they fill that out, that they're interested. And all these things that I'm talking about are ways to pressure test 
whether or not this company is, is interested and whether or not I should be focusing my time here. Ultimately, once all of that work is done, uh, it, 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 um, it ends in the culmination of me meeting with an executive buyer, right? Me meeting with the VP of sales, a CRO, a CEO, a CFO, right? Whatever the case may be to make sure that he and I or she and I are in alignment on timing and budget and business objectives. So that's a really good opportunity for me to get to the executive level, have the conversation about budget, timing, and value. And then on some of our larger seven-figure deals, we have to sometimes just, just hook it up and just show them clarity on their own data. And that typically is all they need to see like, okay, we were able to connect it in a couple of days and start showing them some of the value. Then there's steps to go through the MSA, terms of, you know, all the terms and conditions, you know, final negotiation, and then close, right? So even though it, it, there's 11 steps to the process, some of the steps can be done simultaneously, like a deal we did last quarter. I mean, that whole entire process was done in nine days, right? Because the customer was very interested in getting something done. Um, there was a compelling event on their end. And last but not least, I was wondering if you could just spend a few minutes, I guess people ask us about like sales loft on sales loft at Clary. How do you use Clary to manage your forecasts? I have used Clary now for the last three and a half years. And I can tell you that I would never, ever work any place that didn't have Clary because of the impact that it's made to my business and how I run my business. And so what do I mean by that? Number one is I was always challenged with getting my reps to put information into Salesforce. You know, I used the carrot, I used the stick, right? It didn't matter what I did. I just couldn't get them to consistently do it, which led me to having very little visibility into what was real. And so then I would go into my one-on-ones and I would say, is this real? Is this not real? And of course, every deal is real, right? Then I'd export out of the spreadsheets and I'd try to figure out, you know, what was what, but I consistently had a problem of deals dropping out over the last two weeks of the quarter, you know, using Clary at Clary, you know, I now have the benefit of data. You know, one of the first things we solved as a company was that data quality. And really all we did is we just made it terribly simple for a rep to update their information and also making the user experience, if you will, one that is consistent with other applications on their phone, right? That they love using. We studied that, right? And we built an app that was fun to use and easy to use Therefore, the data gets put in a lot more consistently and the data is accurate. So that's the kind of the first starting point. So as I'm growing my team over the last year, I didn't have time to do the traditional one-on-one interrogation, right? I was trying to close deals. I was trying to hire, train, and get reps productive across the entire United States, traveling all over the place. I didn't have a lot of time to do that. And that's the benefit and the value of Clary to me was that I was able to pull out my phone in an airport and see exactly where we were on a deal. I needed my sales team to be selling, right? And so when I think about the journey I've just been on over the last six quarters, there's no way that my team could have been as focused on selling without Clary, right? From a field perspective and getting the information and using Clary to help them manage and run their business. We've had a very high percentage of our reps hitting their number. It's not all about Clary, but Clary is super helpful in keeping my team focused, which then ultimately gives me a level of visibility into my forecast that I just have never had before, right? I've got all these different data points. I've got artificial intelligence, right? Comparing, you know, my last 500 deals to the deals that are open, giving me indicators on what's real, what's not, right? We track a bunch of activity around a particular deal, email, calendar, 
and a bunch of other signals, right? Where at a, at a glance, I can tell whether or not a deal is real. And I'll give you an example. A couple of quarters ago, I was working with one of my guys and we went through the deals that were, you know, had solid indicators that they were going to close. And we were focusing in on the ones that weren't, which I never did before, right? I was always focused in on the deals that were big and then I would just do an interrogation to make sure I had all the facts. And a lot of times I wouldn't get to all the deals in, in a particular rep's pipeline because I was so fixated on those one or two deals that were the make or breaks, right? And so now I'm, I'm focusing a lot more on the deals that are maybe not in trouble, but are maybe trending and there's risk. And we leveraged you know, our CRM score, which is you know, that leading indicator. And it was down like in the 40s. And I said, what gives? And he said, you know, I had a great meeting with a mid-level person. They love Clary and they want to use us, but brand new CRO. Didn't feel comfortable bringing technology to him yet. So we found out who the guy was and, you know, made a connection through a board member and got on the phone. And within six weeks, we had a deal done. One-on-ones had never been revenue generating, you know, exercises, right? Or strategic exercises, if you will. And so that level of efficiency and visibility led to the growth trajectory, right, that we've seen. But ultimately, right, all of this information funneling into me at my fingertips, where I can do and roll up a forecast in about five minutes. So I'm much more focused on doing things out in the field with my sellers, whether it's in a, speaking at an event, you know, doing things like we're doing here today, or just being on calls and helping my team close deals, which is where everybody wants me to be anyway. They don't want me to be behind a desk trying to figure out where we're going to land for the quarter. And so that has taken us you know, on that trajectory. And we've seen just incredible growth and incredibly shortened ramp times where a majority of my team is productive in the first quarter, right? Because they come in and they don't have to learn a bunch of stuff. It's so easy to understand where you are and what deals are where and how to get started that they're often successful in their first quarter or two. You know, there's lots of other variables, as I'm sure you know, but having a platform that can create a level of efficiency is just, it's, it's, it's been amazing. I couldn't have done it without it. Well, people do want to learn more about Clary or get to know you, Marty. What's the best way to find out more information? So to find more about Clary, just go to clary.com. We've got tons of information for you there. And to reach me directly, it's just Marty ends at LinkedIn is probably the best way. Once again, I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Laura Hall is our executive producer. Our artwork is by Greg Klingshern. This episode was edited by Peter Lopinto. Subscribe to us on your favorite app to learn more immediately actionable best practices from our awesome guests. Thanks for listening to the Hey Salespeople podcast.